The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bruce the Sports Doc on Voice America Network. What's up, guys? Again, you should know by now, but uh, I am your co-host, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, and I'm proud to be reporting um, on the scene here for Bruce the Sports Doc. And, um, you know, it's a good time of year right now. You know, the weather's getting pretty crisp outside. It's pretty chilly weather. The leaves are all falling down. You know, the East Coast is recovering from Hurricane Sandy, and we still are praying out there for uh, victims of the hurricane to... Uh, to get better and uh, regain power and everything, but uh, you know, on a happy note, you got a lot going on right now in the world of sports. You also got a lot going on um, with Thanksgiving preparations. You know, people are, you know, deciding where they're going to eat Thanksgiving meals, and uh, that's very exciting stuff. You know, all um, the college kids are probably coming home, see their families, and uh, you know, a lot of my friends that are out in college right now, um, you know, will be uh, will be coming back. Uh, home to see families and um it's going to be interesting because right you know last friday november 9th you know was a great day for me and um you know a lot of people say it well really the fact is is that the holiday season comes in uh in december but for college basketball fans november 9th was like christmas morning i tell you because um you got a full slate you for the first time ever in history you got a full slate of college basketball games uh 122 games were on tap on Friday and finally we had an annual non annual we had an an official college opener to the season college opening day and uh, usually it's erratic how the how the season opens. We usually have you know teams going down in Maui. We usually always have these preseason tournaments, these or you know early regular season tournament, and, and it's scattered. You know people begin their teams begin their regular seasons on Wednesdays, Tuesdays, uh, you know Thursdays, and then Friday of the of the November fifth week. Um, but this time everyone kicked off on uh, November ninth or last Friday, and it was just very exciting. Um, you know, we already got some front runners in college basketball. Kentucky's back with Nerlens and Noel, and uh, he's a really good player. 
um, you know, and Ryan Hallow at the point guard spot. So, uh, you know, Kentucky basketball, they they got some good players um, there. And, uh, you know, Cal Parr going to compete again. And in Indiana with Cody Zeller, um, you know, my, my cousin goes to Indiana, Mark Grossinger. So a, uh, a shout-out to him, um, you know, as well. We'll try to have him on the show. And, um, you know, he's balling at Indiana. He's doing his intramural thing. Um, he's trying to get on the squad. He's calling up Tom Crean. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, Mark definitely has a lot to celebrate about because his Indiana Hoosiers, man, what a time to go to college there in Bloomington. They are they are number one in the nation right now. And uh, that's a pretty good feeling for Indiana. Big Ten in general stacked this year. Ohio State. Michigan, both in the top five for college basketball. And, uh, you know, don't forget about the small conferences, too. Don't forget about the Missouri Valley. And, uh, you know, if you listen to my old show, Wiz City, you'll know that I'm a big Missouri Valley enthusiast, which is pretty rare to see, you know, in a cat from the East Coast, you know, being a Missouri Valley guy. But, hey, you know what, man? Um, I love the style of basketball they play. They really play team basketball. Um, and when it comes down to tournament time, you, you really want to pick a squad that, you know, you want to pick someone unique when you when you pick a team to like. And, you know, following the Creighton Blue Jays, Northern Iowa Panthers, Drake Bulldogs, you know, these are teams that, you know, not many people around here from the East Coast are accustomed to watching and, and paying attention to. But I take pride in being part of the few proud fans from the East Coast um, that watch these teams and for Creighton this year, it could be really special because, um, they have Doug McDermott, who's a national player of the year candidate. Um, and they also have a lot of supporting guys. And for these, for these small c- conferences, it's so exciting to see them, um, you know, gain berths in the NCAA tournament. And the, the tournament is just special in general because literally each school in Division One basketball, if you play in a conference that that is eligible, well, every conference in Division One A is eligible for the tournament, and you can always win your conference tournament and get in and and, and make a magical run for the championship. Hence Butler, but um, you know what? Now I'm joined by Bruce the Sports Doc. He's uh he's sitting here and he's ready to welcome in his loyal fan base. Bruce, talk to the people, talk to our fans. Well, uh. Great to begin this segment with you, Spence. And uh, as you know, uh, uh, it's really nice that you can follow a team. Um, one thing good about following Creighton is that it's not like they just come in, play one year, and jump to the NBA. The team has a chance to gel. And the two players on the team are very interesting people, interesting players. And I want you to give people a perspective uh, about Doug McDermott and Grant Gibbs. First, I want you to talk about their games. We'll, we'll just give you a little lead in by saying Doug McDermott is an NCAA Player of the Year candidate, and many people think that he has a lot of NBA-type skills. So I want you to you know spend some time on his game and also Grant Gibbs and, and why he's a special player. Yeah, um, you know, with Creighton, Doug McDermott is um, he's a very special superstar because he's the most down-to-earth superstar you'll ever find. He's he's the coach's son. And he averages 25 points a game, and he, you know, he got all these accolades. He won the um, the Olson. Who's the Arizona coach? Rich Olson, right? Not Rich Olson. It's um, 
Lute Olson. Lute Olson. That's it. He won the Lute Olson Award in New Orleans last year. He, he And uh, he's like one of the leading scorers in the whole country. But the thing is, he always... Um, he always deflects praise from himself and gives credit to his teammates. He says, without my teammates, I wouldn't be where I am today. He doesn't jack up shots either. The guy shoots over 50% from the field, so he's not a ball hog. And he just likes being another part of the team. He's all about the team. He's not about himself. And he says, you know, individual accomplishments, you know, are... Uh, are great, but it's all about the team. You know, I really don't care about myself. Uh, well, I really don't care about my personal accomplishments, but he cares about the team. He's a very um, genuine guy, it seems, and uh, it's just fun to cheer him on because uh, he's a very he's very loyal to his program and to his fellow teammates. And uh, you know, um, Grant Gibbs is also such a special player because this guy has been through a lot of adversity. He went to Gonzaga for his first two years, and he was from a uh, town of Marion, Iowa. And uh, at Gonzaga, it didn't really work out. He had some he had some knee injuries, and his knees aren't still great. But he didn't get a lot of uh, playing time, Grant Gibbs. Um, but this guy is a six foot four. Um, he can bear he can barely dunk. Um, but the the guy just has he's the most intelligent basketball player you'll ever be around. He he barely shoot, he barely shoots shots off wide open threes and he'll rather throw it to the post and then shoot the three ball and he always makes the extra pass when he gets the ball. He knows how to swing the ball and uh you know, he's not going to blow by people, but he knows how to set the offense and facilitate it and he's kind of like a point forward on the Creighton team. Um, his Twitter handle double G for three is very entertaining. He knows a lot about NBA basketball and, and basketball in general. And he's just, uh, he's a great follow on Twitter. And, uh, the team's just a lot of fun. You know, you could see that they really, you know, care about each other. And like my dad was saying, you know, the Creighton Blue Jays are a team that, they're going to stay together for four years. You know, they're not going to jump to the NBA because they don't have a lot of egos. And, uh, and you know, frankly, they're just a bunch of hardworking guys and they might not be as athletic as the North Carolinas of the world. But if they work together and execute their offense and play their game and really defend the basketball, you know, look out for, for teams, look out for Creighton and look out for these smaller conference teams to really, um, to really come alive so um so again you know that was a cool segment on uh on Creighton basketball um there's other you know great players on Creighton um you know Avery Dingman and Gregory Engenique is another guy from Rutgers that's a transfer on that team so um yeah I'm a big Creighton fan I'll even order packages on their website to watch you know blurry streams of their games but hey that's what a fan's got to do so well, I think that's a perfect lead-in to, uh, to our NCAA, rather than start off with one of the, uh, you know, one of the leaders, although uh, we can mention that Kentucky looks like they're uh, not going to be as dominant this year. They, they just eked out a win the other day against Maryland. I saw that game. And uh, we're optimistic about Villanova. We've, you know, Villanova Wildcats are our local team here, and they've certainly had a downward slide. And Coach Jay Wright... You know, has some uh, some incoming freshmen. So we're gonna. Last year we we interviewed Jay, and we hope to get down to uh, Dupont Center and, and interview him again. And Spencer Wizard here, you know, logged a little bit of time in at the Jay Wright basketball camp. 
So looks like we're out of time for this segment. Uh, appreciate uh, Spencer you know, car- carrying the load here for us. And Spencer, you can sign off for us. Yeah, well, I just want to note that at Villanova camp, you know, the kids couldn't really see me because I was above the rim. So, well, I'm glad you made that point. So uh, this is the time we prompt you to get a snack, relax. We'll be back in three. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. It's Spencer the Wizard of Wiz City. Right in the heart of the NFL football season. And this is the time when people start uh, wearing out. Uh, we just heard a, uh, a segment by Tom Brady, who was uh, broadcasting at halftime of the, uh, of the Steelers-Chiefs game. And they had a question about Eli Manning and the slide of the Giants. I guess it will lead us into the first topic. They asked Tom Brady about a, uh, a condition called dead arm, where after about nine games – you know, quarterback's arm just becomes tired, and they they lose their uh, they lose their strength. And essentially, Eli Manning was asked about that, and he, you know, he he's uh, kind of a quiet guy, but he answered. He said he he emphatically denied having dead arm, but he said he's uh, oh oh that's good. I forgot the punchline, but he said he's getting dead tired of answering the question about dead arm. Tom Brady. Of course, is uh, is looking forward to the matchup next week of Colts 
and Patriots, but now we have uh, we have Andrew Luck substituting for Peyton Manning. But let's flip back to the Giants here. We have a, a very intense Giants fan, Spencer the Wizard, and they just lost a, a game where they se- seemingly had no energy against a bad team. So let's hear a breakdown of the New York Giants, and then you know after that we'll, we'll, we'll move on to some other teams, the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Jets. Well, you know what? I compare the Cincinnati game to 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 finals week in school because when when you're when you're taking finals, you know, um, you're 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 so close to the finish line, but it, it's very tough. You you get very antsy when you see that finish line. Actually, most people tend to just say, "Oh, I've been working so hard. Why can't I just get these finals done and go in the and just go into summer break and go into summer vacation?" And that's what the Giants did on Sunday. They saw the bye week was ahead. They've been working hard for for nine weeks, and. Uh, you know, actually, excuse me, 10 weeks, and uh, to them, they just felt that they needed a break, and they slumped into the bye week, you know, their muscles were tired, they started, they probably felt sorry for themselves, and just wanted to have that week off, and uh, you know, the bye week's at a perfect time for this team, because they're going to have such an emotional Sunday night game with the Green Bay Packers, that I believe can be the best game of the NFL season, Um, I believe it's going to be a back and forth showdown in two weeks, um, but you look at the Giants, and I honestly believe what this team is that, you know, they always have this November slew where they always slump in November, and they always, um, they, with Tom Coughlin, they usually start out really hot, and this year, again, they were 6-2, and two, and it's pretty much like a broken record a lot of the times because uh, the Giants, you know, start feeling good about themselves, um, and then they, you know, they lost a game to Pittsburgh last week. And, uh, with this Giants team, they've won a Super Bowl already. And their formula for winning a Super Bowl was going nine and seven. So pretty much the Giants motivation and, uh, you know, the will to win the game, uh, they're they're really confident in the end of the year that they can pick up steam. And with the NFL, records are so deceiving. And for these New York Giants right now, I still have complete faith in the team. Luckily, the team has remained healthy. They're going to come out better than ever versus the Green Bay Packers, I believe. Just their secondary is very vulnerable. You've seen that when the Giants struggle, their D-line is tired, does not get to the quarterback, and their secondary gets exposed. A.J. Green had an 80-yard touchdown. Dalton threw for four TDs. And for the Bengals, it was an emotional home game for them. And Andy Dalton and the Bengals haven't beaten a playoff team in, in the two years that he's been there. It was a perfect opportunity and storm for the Cincinnati Bengals to come out on top. And uh, again, the Giants are just in finals week mode, just looking forward to the bye week. But again, they know they know the drill of the NFL year. They see now that they have Dallas to beat out. The Eagles and Redskins have dropped. I still have faith if this team gets in the dance in a one-game format, I think they still have the pieces to take it. Yeah, Spencer, I agree with you. Uh, there's a word they use in the NFL. It's called a trap game. A trap game is a game where you find yourself looking ahead. You're ripe for an upset. And looking at Cincinnati, playing an away game before the bye, you know, losing but still having a two-game lead. The Giants didn't have a, a, a you know, they didn't have the incentive. This was a Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl. Everybody's gutting for, for the Super Bowl champs. You're right. The, the Giants were flat. And uh, the, the the Bengals capitalized on some big plays. 
And uh, but you still look at the Giants; they're still in great shape. You know, Eli Manning is is a money quarterback. The team, you know, again, I think the running game has been uh, has been suspect. As far as the offense, really, it's been three weeks where the Giants' offense really hasn't done much. I see Victor Cruz as a great player who's definitely in need of another contract. If we look back on um, uh, Deshaun Jackson, I think it's different. I think Deshaun actually admitted that he didn't play that hard last year because he didn't want to get hurt. It had, you know, was making a half a million dollars. This year, uh, Deshaun um, has a lot more catches, only three touchdown passes. But I, I think Cruz, you know, it's not a lack of effort on his part. The team just looks a little bit flat. And I think they're going to get recharged with the bye week. And then playing the Packers, I think they'll be really up for that game. Yeah, um, you know, good point about uh, Deshaun and uh, Victor Cruz, two similar guys, you know. Deshaun Jackson, though, um, I I think he really just needs to work on just playing every down and and working to get open. You know, Victor Cruz, uh, he he, he had a rough road to the NFL out of UMass. He's had a ton of motivation, and he had to prove a lot of doubters wrong, you know, coming out of a small college and not being the tallest wide receiver out there. But um, bringing up Deshaun Jackson, it's a perfect segue to my next, uh, to our next topic, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, we were in the... um, Section 110 at the link, you know, to watch the Dallas game. Um, yesterday we had nice seats for the game. Um, and uh, it was um, it was definitely an interesting divisional battle. Um, unfortunately, Michael Vick got hit pretty hard and got a concussion, which a lot, which a lot of quarterbacks actually suffered yesterday. That was a common injury. Um, and then Nick Foles came in and the, the crowd, you know, rallied behind the rookie. He made a big throw to Jeremy Macklin, but then Romo came up with some magic, answered back with a very clutch third down conversion. Um, where he was going to get sacked, and the Eagles had all the momentum, but he hit Miles Austin for 30 yards and a backbreaker. The Eagles missed him like four times. That was really the difference in the game, I believe. But again, um, I opened up the topic, but there's a lot to begin, and I'm sure that you have a lot to comment. Well, I want to, uh, as you know, this is a sports medicine show at its core, but this is football season. There's a lot of sports analysis, a lot of NFL analysis. I'd like to give you guys an update on Michael Vick as we go to press time. Michael Vick, um, the update we have really is from Andy Reid at his, at his 12 dude press conference. And, of course, I took time away from saving lives today in order to listen to the press conference. That's the latitude you have when you are, you know, responsible to the nation to report back on sports injuries. So Michael Vick had a serious concussion. He, uh, in the locker room, he was foggy after the game. After the game, he actually needed his balance was so off that he had such a severe headache Somebody had to actually help him out to, uh, I don't believe they helped him out to his car. I, I believe he actually went to get a CAT scan of his brain, although they did report that. I, I would presume that he did. Today, he woke up with a severe headache. He was really tired, and he's been working with Rick, uh, uh, I think it's Burkhalter, excuse me for the pronunciation, who's the head trainer for the Philadelphia Eagles. And today, the recommendation was to... Just rest. Just rest. Lay in a dark room. Don't text. Don't tweet. And that is, you know, a good example for all of you high school and college athletes out there. When you've had a concussion, day one post-concussion, we don't do any impact tests. We don't do any scoring or anything. We're just going to have you rest. And, and uh, again, 
He might his headache might be palliated with analgesics, but the fact is, he had he was very fatigued. He had a headache. He was foggy. He he couldn't think straight, and uh, it was announced that all but certain, uh, Vic will not be uh, playing in next week's game against the Washington Redskins. Nick Foles, the rookie, six foot six, wet behind the ears. I I think played a um, very good game. I I'm looking at the. Uh, the critics here in Philadelphia, I think they're overly harsh on him. The play that was an interception was a catchable ball that Deshaun Jackson tipped. What happens in the NFL when you throw it and a receiver tips the ball up in the air, gets intercepted? In my view, that should go under Deshaun Jackson. That should be an interception to his column. But instead, it was a pick six. And uh, I think that Nick Foles did well to hang in under the rush. He made some good reads. Terrible play by the offensive lineman. King Dudlop had a crucial holding penalty on a on a play to Damaris Jackson where there was a really small window. It was his best pass of the day. Unfortunately you won't see it on this in the scores or the or the the box scores actually because King Dudlop again held and then he compounded the insult to injury. After the after his illegal heads to the face penalty, he sulked and went off the field and the Eagles had to call a timeout. So I think being in the stands, we saw the Eagles call a timeout late in the third quarter. And, of course, we, we thought it was Andy Reid. We thought it was his fault. But actually, surprisingly, it was the fault of King Dunlop. He basically made two errors at once. Illegal heads to the face, nullifying what would have been a touchdown drive, then sulking and unprofessionally leaving the field, forgetting where he was, and requiring the Eagles to uh, call a timeout. So yesterday, essentially, in reviewing the game, there were three back-breaking plays one that, that Spencer mentioned was the scramble play, Tony Romo. Cola uh, Jenkins, Fletcher Cox, and I believe Jason Babin, uh, they, they all had clean shots at him. He ducked under and had an excellent completion to keep a drive alive. Then there was a kickoff return where, in the words of Andy Reid, the team was walled. Now, wall is usually a noun. In this case, they were totally walled. Uh, Casey Matthews, particularly, was in terrible position, overran the play, and then he stopped running. If you look at the replay, Casey Matthews just gave up. Matt McBriar, again, uh, an older Australian guy with a bad foot, totally quit on the play, didn't even try to tackle the guy. In it's fact, not the kicker's responsibility to take him down, but we were joking yesterday that, like, uh, even, you know, Grammy could have ran down the field and scored a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles special teams with Bobby April, it's a disgrace that the Eagles should, uh, should keep him on about one more week. So, while the, this, uh, this segment really went fast, I guess we talk about Eagles and Giants. We, we tend to get passionate. So I hope you guys are enjoying it. We'll be back in three minutes. Stay tuned for the next segment of Bruce the Sports Talk in Wiz City. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, guys. This is Bruce Sports Doc with City. We're talking about some NFL uh, football coming up. I'm talking about it right here. And um, basically, I just want to give my little spiel on Nick Foles. You know, um, I, I had a good friend who went to the University of Arizona. And uh, during his, he had a good sophomore season at Arizona. I think they uh, made it to a bowl game. Had a, They were in the top 25. But last season in the senior year, I just remember, you know, Arizona and at least two of his four years being on the bottom of the Pac-10. And, you know, I, I honestly didn't watch every Arizona game, but I knew that Nick Foles had a, had a, had a big arm, and I know he's very tall, so he has the physical traits to, to have what it takes to make it in the NFL. But, you know, the real, the real um, difference between being a, uh, a decent quarterback and being a, uh, a really terrific quarterback, the difference, because Chad Henney of Michigan also has all the tools, but I, I think you just, it's it's it might sound cliche, but the way to win in the NFL is just on third down. You just can't leave the field. You just got to take over your entire team, and you just got to have that will. Just saying, we can't leave the field right now. And you look at Tom Brady. You know, honestly, when he's in the game, he's like a machine. He's a tiger. And if one guy is out of place, he'll notice it and he'll call him out vocally on the field. Now, I'm not saying that that's the best way to lead sometimes, being that angry. But Tom Brady always wants to score seven every time. He has that will. that That's just, it's unacceptable to fail on third downs. And you look at Nick Foles, and uh, he looks like a very calm personality. But, but all, some might wonder, and same with me right now is is he really a winner 
and is he does he really have that killer instinct to stay on the field on third down and not just say ah we'll get it next time we'll we'll get it next time it's all right you know does he really have that you know Peyton Manning likes you know focus and that's something we're going to see probably in the in the uh, coming weeks and I I guess in the coming years because it looks like Nick Foles is the future in Philly. Well, again, let's get into some detail about Nick Foles. He. Uh... It looked like he did a nice job of looking downfield. One thing about the Eagles this year, they haven't been able to throw downfield at all, or they haven't even tried. Uh, in this game, he had a really good view. There was a breakdown in the secondary, and Jeremy Macklin was wide open. He threw a really nice deep ball right on the money for a touchdown. It, it, it's really, in, in memory this year, one of the first log throws that you've seen. A beautiful throw to Damaris Johnson. Who's a very small? He's about five foot six. Probably weighs a hundred pounds, soaking wet. He made a nice uh, post route on the right side. It falls really through a nice ball that was low and outside. The and it was uh, the only ch- you know the only person who could have caught it was Johnson. Again, we talked about Dunlop's mistake. I noticed falls drop back. He was not afraid of the rush. At the very end of the game. He got hit. All the, we were right there, as, as Spencer noted. There was about 100 people left in the stadium. We hadn't given up yet. And uh, essentially, he was on like the two-yard line. Uh, it was either Bell or, 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 or King Dunlop. One of the two turd styles on the outside. Guy came in, completely hit him on his blind side. And, you know, n- nobody would have been able to hold on to the ball. The ball was fumbled and recovered for a touchdown. And that was the end of the gate. But I thought Foles... Demonstrated a nice arm. He he looked calm in the pocket. After the game, he said all the right things. He wasn't happy. You know, he he played well, but he was talking about the team. And I really think at this point, the Eagles are three and six. The party's over. It's a it's basically a funeral down Broad Street. I think Andy Reid has resigned to his fate, and he knows he's going to be picked up next year. There's plenty of teams who are going to have coaching changes. The leading. Uh, the, the the leading uh, team is San Diego Chargers, I think, will be picking up uh, Andy Reid as their coach. And it's time for the Eagles to clean house, I think, from top to bottom, including Howie Roseman, the accountant-turned-GM, as well as all of the coaches, Marty Morningweg, Bobby April, Todd Bowles, a very undistinguished two games where he's making Juan Castillo look like uh, George Hallis. Well, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, you know, agree with, with the read. And, you know, you look at Michael Vick and, uh, I think, I think he's had his time in Philly. I think he could still play elsewhere. And, uh, I think the fans are kind of moved on to Nick Foles. And Vick had a lot of opportunities this year to, to, uh, really, and, and, to really take this team places. But you look at this team, Michael Vick is, you know, responsible for a lot of their six losses. And, uh, I just don't see this team going all the way back, and uh, I think it's time to see what Nick Foles has for this season, definitely. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying to play Michael Vick. Well, if you're going to play Michael Vick, you're going to want to keep him for four more years, and I don't believe that. I think you got to develop your draft pick, and uh, I think Michael had a good – he had a really good one year here, 
and then last year he had a he had a decent year and then and then this year he was just Michael Vick was just really turnover prone and the West Coast offensive system I think just isn't the right it's not the right system with Vick. He's more of a he's more of a guy that runs around and can create and improvise and and have freedom to make plays, you know. And uh, I just think his time in Philly's up, but uh, and I think it's time for Nick Foles. And about Andy Reid, real quick, you know, Joe Banner, um, the Eagles' former GM, is now in Cleveland. Mike Holmgren, Reid's really close friend, is also in Cleveland. I could see Cleveland's coach getting fired, and I could see Reid there next year. So that's an interesting storyline to look up on. Last night's game is something I definitely want to hit up because that was a uh, that that many people were saying that could be a possible Super Bowl battle of two eight and one football teams. You had the um, Chicago Bears and you had the Houston Texans, and uh, you know you looked at last night's game. It was a rainy f- football game in Chicago, cold and rainy, misty night. And you look at that, and that really favors the Chicago Bears because they're they're used to the ground and pound, ugly win defensive games. And then you look at Houston, who plays in a warm climate in a retractable roof stadium, and you thought like Matt Schaub and them would have a little bit more trouble. But actually, Wade Phillips and his defense, and JJ Swat and the whole gang played a beautiful game. They picked up, they picked off Jay Cutler um two times, got two more turnovers on fumble. Four turnovers in all. Um, Arian Foster was a beast. He's an MVP candidate. He had a terrific catch on the one-yard line. That was a big play. And his running really was great on the offensive side. You know, The only question I have for Houston is when they play a stout defense that is stopping Arian Foster, can Matt Schaub lead this team to victories in the playoffs? Jay Cutler, again, we really hope that Jay Cutler recovers from his concussion and can get back out on the field soon. Uh, Jason Campbell filled in for him in the second half. Um, a lot of people are saying that's why the Bears lost. You know, Bruce, what do you think about these um, these two teams going forward? Um, what did you think about last night's game? What do you think about their two chances to win to make it to the Super Bowl? Boop 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 boop. Well, that's the sound. When you hear that, it means there's breaking news. Unfortunately, in the sports medicine front, it's never good news. In this case. We're reporting 11 p.m. Monday night. This is uh, you know, less than a day before this goes to air tomorrow. Uh, big news in the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger leaves the field with a right shoulder injury. At the time when he was injured, 9 for 18 for 84 yards. Took a lot of hits in the game. And the question is, looking at the replay, what happened here? Is this going to be a separated shoulder, which really means a dislocation? Is this a torn rotator cuff? Is this just a shoulder strain? Um, could it be a broken clavicle, a lateral clavicular injury? We don't know. We don't pretend to know. But, again, we will keep you posted. At this time, it's 10-10. Chiefs, Steelers, and Roethlisberger's had a great year, one of his best years ever, and we just hope that he comes back. So sorry to digress from your question, but I had to break in with that little news flash. You know, I actually thought, um, not to make light of this topic, but, um, of course, but when you, when you went that boop boop sound, uh, I, I thought that you didn't know how to answer that question. Like, I thought that you were not prepared and you, uh, you wanted me to, you wanted me to go back and kind of take over. I thought that was a sign of, uh, 
I don't really want to get into this, but, uh, you know, uh, go ahead. Well, normally we would play some music, and we tried that earlier in the year where we'd play some music, and in most cases it was a copyright violation. So that time it was an original tune that I made up myself. I think it was beautiful. But what I think it's time to do is right now, uh, again, after we we talked with the Steelers and, and we've, we've lauded them all year, that's certainly been one of our uh, teams that has really performed well. I think we have to uh, go to a team that's performed poorly. The New York Jets, I have a two-part question for you, Spencer. Uh, basically, we have about two minutes left in the segment. Mm-hmm. I want you to talk a little bit about the quarterback situation in New York with the Jets. And I also want to, under- to understand, do you think Rex Ryan is on the hot seat? If the Jets continue to perform poorly, is it time for Rex Ryan to go? So two-part question. You have a little bit of time. Let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, NFL's a tough business, but I, I don't think that with what Rex Ryan did in his first two seasons was just remarkable. Going to the AFC Championship, just his first two seasons after becoming a head coach, and the way he's a defensive mastermind is just really impressive. But you have to understand the human aspect of the game, and Rex Ryan, you know, pretty much ever since he was a coach, you know, he um, he picked Mark Sanchez as his quarterback, and him and Sanchez have such a relationship on and off the the field. I mean, Sanchez even goes to Rex Ryan's his kids' little league games, and Rex Ryan is a loyal guy, and he is very—he's a very. I think Rex Ryan's a great personality, but I think he's also a good character guy, and I don't think it was his decision to bring in Tim Tebow at all. I think he's behind Mark Sanchez a hundred percent. As a fan of the New York Jets. I, I believe that, that Tim Tebow should come in now because Sanchez is just not giving any pop to this team. His completion percentage is down. He looks like a deer in the headlights and he is even struggling with the check down with pass and, uh, he's really just not performing well. I think he's getting nervous in New York. Um, you know, the fans and no one really is behind Mark Sanchez anymore and, uh, it's, it's sad to see, but, Honestly, with the fight in this team, you know, Sanchez really isn't rallying the guys for the Jets this season, much like the Eagles look stim. And I think it's time to see what Tim Tebow brings to the table. I mean, this guy brought the Broncos to a playoff berth last year. He threw for 316 yards in the divisional round versus Pittsburgh. The guy's obviously got some pizzazz and talent. The guy obviously played some good football games in his NFL career. And he was one of the best college football quarterbacks of all time at Florida. I mean, why not give this guy a chance? When's the last time that you'll see a player that leads a fr- that le- leads a team throws for 316 yards and goes eight and four in the regular season, brings the Broncos out of a one and four hole, and ends up you know being benched the next year, the whole year for pretty much a, a mediocre Mark Sanchez. So I definitely think it's time to see what Tebow brings to the table. Maybe he could spark up the defensive guys because when Foles went in yesterday, you saw the quarterback change in Philly, how it could change a defense. For Denver last year, when they were 1-4 and four and Tebow came in, he definitely sparked up the day. So I think it's definitely it's time to see what Tim Tebow you know has to bring to the table. But I think that Rex Ryan is not making the move because he's a loyal guy to Mark Sanchez on and off the field.
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the final segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're just days away from Thanksgiving. Again, Veterans Day was Sunday. We want to honor our veterans. Certainly throughout the NFL, they paid tribute to the veterans. There was the silent march of the Marine Corps at the Eagles halftime show, which was fantastic, as well as a home, surprise homecoming by a uh, somebody who actually did multiple tours of duty in Iraq. So again, we'd be remiss to not thank our veterans because that's what makes our country great, the bravery and sacrifice offered by our veterans. So we, we've certainly hit NFL football hard. We've talked about many sports injuries, concussions. We went deep into it. We gave you breaking news of Ben Roethlisberger. And now it's time to talk about the hot topic in the NBA. We woke up today, which was Monday, the day before press time, and we were greeted with the shocking news, shocking to everybody, including Phil Jackson, that the Lakers had hired Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni you recall, was the coach of the New York Knicks, an offensive wizard, not a defensive stalwart at all, stalwart or whatever the word is, we're not sure, but he just came from knee surgery, and Mike D'Antoni, as soon as he's able to get on a plane, will be the head coach of the L.A. Lakers. We certainly listened to a lot of uh, the, the talking heads say the pundits, and there was a lot of criticism about the L.A. Lakers. So, Spencer, let's let's get your concise analysis about L.A. Lakers, and then I'll give you my thoughts on Phil Jackson and 
why they didn't hire Phil Jackson. I think there's three main reasons. Uh, for you listeners, I want you to think, what are the three reasons the Lakers did, ho- did not hire Phil Jackson? That's the question of the day. Spencer, what's your thought on L.A. Lakers? Well, um, first, I want to relay the message about our veterans. Uh, we, uh, you know, we salute your service and we thank you. With the Lakers, um, the three the three reasons are pretty. That's a pretty interesting challenge. I think I want to, you know, participate if I may in the challenge. But my initial reaction at first is I, t- I obviously don't like the move because it's it's very simple. You have a coach that's won eleven championships. He has a le- he he has more rings than you can even have on your fingers as two hands, and then you have a guy who doesn't even have one ring. Um, who who would you pick? I, I'd pick the guy that that doesn't have any more rings to put on his hands. I, I'd pick Phil Jackson, Mister Eleven Rings. Uh, you know, the greatest coach, or arguably the greatest coach in the game's history. Um, so I think Phil Jackson obviously has done it all. He's meshed with superstars. So you have Dwight Howard, who's a questionable, who's a guy who's kind of a prima donna, to be honest. Um, you know, in Orlando, Boston pretty much got Stan Van Gundy fired there. Pretty much put their organization in turmoil. One of the most least likable players in the league right now, I could confidently say that. Not not personally, but around the league. Um, and then you have Steve Nash, aging superstars. But hey, I mean, Phil Jackson did it with MJ, Scottie Pippen. He's been around the stars and the bright lights and meshing them together. Um, and and, he, and of course him. And Kobe have a unique bond, and it's obvious Kobe wanted Phil Jackson as well. So Phil really should have been the pick. With Mike D'Antoni, again, he plays no defense, the guy. Um, he's never even um, made it to an NBA Finals. He's terrific in the regular season because in the regular season, honestly, you don't get teams' best efforts on nights, to be honest, in the NBA. That's just the simple fact. Teams play back-to-back-to-back games, and you just, you know, teams can sluggishly come into your house and you can beat them with running and gunning. But in the playoffs, it's about half-court basketball, scoring in the half-court. But more specifically, it's about getting up and defending. All Mike D'Antoni's teams, none of of his teams ranging from 2003 to 2011, um, his prime of coaching so far, have reached, um, have been better than the 23rd ranked defense in the in the NBA. So that's a telling fact. Um, and I, do you want me to list the three reasons why? Maybe I'll list them real quick. Or, or do you want? Yeah, no, sure. Uh, uh, why I mean, don't you uh, again? You know, one of the reasons could be expanded to to a list of subsets, but. As far as the reasons they gave, as well as some of the underlying reasons, I uh, would like to hear your opinion on that. The first reason, I believe, is um, is because Steve Nash is a Laker, and I think that him and D'Antoni have a unique relationship. I think that D'Antoni you know, knows what Steve Nash is all about and can help the offense gel. Um, the second reason is I think that Jerry Buss... Um, him and Phil Jackson, I, I or him, Phil Jackson, and Kobe. I don't think they see eye to eye on a lot of things. I think the Mike Brown hire, you know, symbolized Jerry Buss kind of, um, you know, wanting to really be the face of this franchise and uh, really wanting to, uh, to kind of, he just kind of wants to like prove. I, I don't know how to phrase. I'm trying to phrase this, but I think he wants to prove people wrong, and I think he just wants. It seemed like he was a little egotistical with the move, like he wanted what was better for him, 
for himself, like he wants to go against the curve than the, than the higher Phil Jackson. So I think that could be another reason. Um, and then, uh, I mean, the Lakers are a very new team from Phil, but, but honestly, I mean, not the easiest, you know, game. So I'm glad, I'm ready to hear the three answers. Well, you, you nailed one right on the nose, and that is Phil Jackson is a triangle offense. And Steve Nash just would fit into that. He would be an extra part. So there's some thought that in order to get back the L.A. Lakers showtime, that's running gut basketball. There's no question D'Antoni will get him running and gunning. And so that's definitely a solid reason. Number two, I think there is – you, you hit all this well. I think there is some interpersonal stuff with the Bus family, the father and son. As you know, Phil Jackson, it's open, it's, it's open information. He dates uh, Dr. Buss's, you know, the senior owner, his, his daughter. So you, you just don't know what, what's going on with that. He, he travels to L.A. a lot. He watches a lot of the game. So you don't know if there's something behind the scenes there that maybe he got blackballed by either the father or son or somehow Kobe, you know, might have interjected something. But really number three, which you could list is Phil Jackson is a great coach, but a lot of people think he's a difficult personality and he's very demanding. And uh, we, we can list a number of reasons why that is. Number one, he's had physical problems. One of his demands would be that he would, he would only go to certain away games and wouldn't go to all of the games. That would be different than Mike D'Antoni. When you, when you have a, your coach that doesn't go to an away game, that often translates into a loss. Number two, salary demands. I think that Phil Jackson would, would certainly command top dollar, although Jackson was really shocked. He, he, he and his agent were totally stunned by this move. And frankly, you never know who to believe in these negotiations. He said, she said. The agent said that Jackson was ready to back off on, on contract demands. However, the Lakers, an unidentified source, as you always hear, basically said that Jackson wanted actually to have an ownership share of the team. So that's a real, uh, I guess, for lack of a word, a ballsy move. A, a coach is actually demanding to have an ownership share. He's demanding not to travel away. He's got salary demands. And essentially... Opposite sides of the spectrum there was what you're saying. is what some sources are saying with Phil Jackson lowering his contract and then what Jerry's saying. Yeah. I don't think... I think money is a small issue here. But I think the fact that this guy is so revered by the fans, it would be difficult to fire Phil Jackson. Again, his health is allegedly better. He's been he's been taking it easy. And you just don't know the list of demands. And what happens in a negotiation is usually one side has a lot of demands and then they eventually compromise. But it just might be that list of demands with respect to travel, salary, ownership share, also control of player personnel. That's another thing. Phil Jackson wanted a much larger share as you know, Mitch Kupchak is the uh, GM of the Lakers. I think he's quite a good one. Basically, if Jackson came in, he'd be usurping Kupchak's power. And so I think there's a lot of reasons all relating to Phil Jackson's demanding personality that I think, coupled with the other factors, caused the Lakers to do a surprise move and essentially to backtrack and hire Mike D'Antoni. The assistant coaches would also have to be Jacksons. I think that they would return to Jackson as well. So I think that that also had to do with the contract information there. I'm not sure. I don't think assistant coaches were, you know, ever uh, dictated actual move. 
I think it's a small contributing factor. But uh, let, let's 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 start flashing around the NBA. Let's get some early commentary. A lot of these franchises have changed. Some of the teams that were the least interesting to watch have flipped around and have become very interesting. I'd like to start off with the Houston Rockets. Yeah, um, basically they have two of the the most you know intriguing NBA players out there. You have a Jeremy Lin from New York who uh, pretty much New York didn't. Uh, didn't pay him any money and, and didn't really respect Jeremy Lin's talents. And uh, he took the NBA by storm last year. He's a very quick, exciting guard who likes to push the basketball. And uh, he's a guy who, um, you know, really, uh, t- again, like I said last year, he just took on a wave of popularity. And uh, he's a very, he's a very, you know, running gun type player. But James Harden, he pretty much got backstabbed by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Again, Harden wasn't asking for that much money. He was a large part of the trio there, a large part of why they were Western Conference champions last year. And again, Oklahoma City just didn't really respect his game. Um, and he had a lot to prove because of, because of what Oklahoma did in, uh, in trading him to the Houston Rockets. Well, the show certainly went fast. Uh, to recap, we talked about, uh, concussions. We talked about, an acute shoulder injury to Ben Roethlisberger details to uh, to be in next week's show. We also flashed around the NBA. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners at Bruce the Sports Doc. We want to thank Voice America, Michael Mitchell, Matty Ice, our producer, and of course, Ray Ellis. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week to Bruce the Sports Doc and Spencer the Wizard in Wiz City. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then.